If you have your Bible, um, I want you to go to Psalm 107 and Judges chapter 6. Psalm 107 and Judges chapter 6. So, um, and if you have your phone, you can go to calvary.online, click today's message, and the whole message will launch. All All the notes will be right there on your phone. You could certainly do that through the Bible app. However, listen, if you are distracted by Bible 2.0, Bible 1.0 still works, okay? This still works. Way less distracting for those of you surfers in here, okay? If you're surfers, uh, you know, uh, go 1.0. Otherwise, uh, you can certainly launch the Bible app, and we want you to do that, and so you can add your own notes there. Um, uh, you know, uh, this season and coming uh, through this whole crisis, I am really, uh, there are some things that I have, I have missed, but other things that I have been actually really grateful for, like really in my heart thankful for. Uh, there was this group that I had almost never heard of before, like never heard, I like nev- never really focused on them very much. It was this group called the CDC, right? And the, I, I never really paid much attention to the CDC, but uh, all of a sudden the CDC got a microphone and started to tell everybody how to stay safe, to uh, stay out of harm's way, to, to keep from catching and spreading this virus. And you know what I, I recognized? Uh, and, and this was something I'm really thankful for, is that people can follow instruction. <laughs> they can. I mean, some ladies were so excited about the CDC instruction that, that when they said, wear a mask, they thought, <gasps> Pinterest. I'll make my own, I'll design it, I'll be a millionaire, I'll sell them on Etsy. You know, they're so excited about, about obeying instruction. And you know why I'm thankful for it? Because I, I, I think people can actually obey instruction. I found this book that's filled with instruction about how to stay healthy and stay alive and stay in God's purposes with or without a mask. Actually, most of the time, God wants you to take off the mask, you hypocrite. <laughs> that's, what, that's what hypocrite means. Hypocrite means one who wears a mask, okay? Um, and so what I noticed in this season is that God wanted us to go back to his instruction book because he wanted to release to us fresh revelation. I've been saying this for weeks, is that I believe that it is in this season where we went back to prayer and we went back to basics and we went back to the closet and we, we, we literally, as a planet, were put on a Sabbath. And we, you know, our kids looked around at us and, and you know, Our kids are like, what are we going to do? And parents with glee in their eyes said, nothing. We're going to do nothing. And, And we went through this Sabbath. And here's why. Because I believe God wanted us to get back to understanding what was really important. And what I found as I begin to go back to God's word is that it was filled with brand new, fresh revelation. 
And I want to encourage all of you as my brothers and sisters to go back to God's word. We've been actually, uh, and, and there have been these type of themes that have been coming through really all the month of May. Uh, we started in first Wednesday about the supernatural nature of God's word. I spoke a message about how God's word brings healing. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, go. It's on YouTube. It's on uh, Facebook. It's on our podcast. Go to our website. It's all there. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that first Wednesday message, please do it. Because in there, we actually showed this verse, and I, wanna, I want you to see this today, about how important the word is. And then you're going to actually today, I believe, be found by the word. This, this, this verse in Psalm 107 says this, God, he sent his word and healed them. Notice what it says. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. That means God sent his his, his supernatural word, and what did he do? He delivered by it. Most of us understand that in a new light when we're, when we're given instruction about how to stay safe, how to stay healthy, how to, how to do things in a way so that everybody, everything and everyone actually is, is inspired to live healthily. Now we could actually find God's guidelines and find fresh revelation from God's word that will help us to thrive. This is the season. There is a season of fresh revelation from this word. Now, now here's the danger. Here's the danger. You know, if you've been around a while and you've been in the church a while, uh, you might think, well, you know, I, I, I know a good bit, pastor. I know a good bit. Here, here's, I got, some, I got some bad news for you. Jesus said, those who think they have something, even what they think they have can be taken away. Did you know that? And so God says, hey, listen, whenever you approach his word, approach it in fresh light, like it's fresh manna, like it's today's bread. And I want to give you a word today that I think is going to help everybody, those watching, those in, in the crowd, that will help you um, to just gain a new appreciation for God's word. I want you to go to Judges chapter 6. And I'm going to tell you a very familiar story, but we're going to draw some things from it today that I believe are going to help us in our journey. And mostly, I believe, are actually going to... It, it's the word coming to find us today. Um, uh, many of us know the story of Gideon. Uh, and, and that's what we're going to focus on today. A uh, few scriptures before our, our portion that we're going to read. Uh, Gideon's time is filled with a time of oppression. Israel had done evil in the sight of the Lord, and God literally allowed the Midianites to come and to uh, oppress Israel. They were so oppressive that every harvest season, the Midianites would take all of the harvest, whether, whether it was in the field, uh, you know, uh, or it was their animals and livestock. They were oppressing them. So literally the Israelites were not able to thrive. They were, they were certainly under oppression. And then they cried out to the Lord. Guys, I, I have to tell you from the very beginning, when I, when I went back and revisited Judges chapter 6, I could not help but think that this is the whole world right now that we had done evil in the sight of the Lord and that all of this oppression has come against us. But here's what I've seen. I've seen the church praying like never before. 
And this is actually what I see in this passage. And I want to I show you what happens when the church begins to pray. Is then the church is actually found by the word. Uh, Judges chapter 6, verse 6 says this. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet. To the children of Israel, who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the God of the Amorites. Do not fear the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So what's the issue? They're fearing other gods. They're allowing other things to take the place of God. Now, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the tabernacle tree, uh, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said, said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, uh, uh, as you uh, progress in this story, here's what you find out that uh, Gideon is certainly raised up as a mighty warrior, uh, when he calls on the men of Israel to rise up against the Midianites, 30,000 uh, come out, and, and God says, that's too many. You know, I, I don't know why that, you know, uh, you know I, I know that Gideon must have thought, wow, 30,000, that's too many against these oppressors, you know? And then, of course, through a time of, of consecration and separation, uh, the 30,000 becomes 300. Here, and uh, I, I just want to give you this insight. This isn't really connected to today's message uh, so much as it is just an insight from this story is that any foe you can defeat in your own wisdom is not a foe that requires God. Any foe that you, could, that you can defeat in your own personal wisdom, not wisdom inspired by God in your own personal strength. It's not one that, that requires God. This one required God and God was saying, I want all the glory for this. So he took 300 men and defeated a foe that, that I think 30,000 would have failed at, 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 at coming against. And I want all of you to know that the only way to be victorious in this life is utter and total reliance upon God. Utter and total reliance upon his word and his way and his spirit. It's the only path to victory. Now, I, I want to call your attention, though, to the condition that, that Gideon is found in. And I, I, I want you to see this 
in, in light of who shows up. God sends his word and heals. Remember Psalm 107. So first he sends his word through a prophet. And he says, hey, I heard your cry. I am the God that delivered you from Egypt. But I told you not to fear these other gods. And he says, and then next, the angel of the Lord shows up. Now, almost every theologian out there believes that the angel of the Lord is an Old Testament manifestation of Jesus. So when you see the, the title, the angel of the Lord, it is Jesus showing up early. It's Jesus showing up in Old Testament times. So the word of God, Jesus, Remember John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John 1, 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld, uh, we beheld the, the glory of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. It is Jesus, the word of God, shows up to Gideon. And how does he find him? The same way the word finds us. Let me tell you how the word finds us. First, the word finds us in our condition, our real condition. And when you're found by the word, the word finds you in your real condition. And what was Israel's condition when the word of God showed up? The angel of the Lord, this Old Testament manifestation of Jesus. What, what was the condition? Here it is. They were impoverished. They were oppressed. And they were in sin. They were impoverished, impressed, in sin, and, um, and, and I like this one. They were improvising. They were improvising. Anybody ever had to improvise? Okay. Here's something that you need to know about your pastor. There are certain gifts I possess. When I stand on a stage and speak to you guys, I don't have an ounce of fear. I feel like that's my gift. I'm supposed to be sharing. I'm supposed to be communicating. However, when I look at a toolbox, my brains become scrambled eggs. I see in the word that there is a gift of craftsmanship and I have earnestly desired that gift. It just has not manifested in the way that it has in other people's lives. And so if there was a biblical gift of hire someone to do it, I would be a 10 on that gift scale, okay? <laughs> but I'm like a one. However, I had this friend show up a few years ago named YouTube, and, uh, and, and my friend YouTube has actually helped me uh, to improvise. My, my daughter, uh, for one short season, we had to bear a cross in our family uh, called a Jeep Wrangler, okay? And it was a cross to bear because Jeep stands for just empty every pocket. That is a fact. That is a fact. Something was always breaking. All, if you have one, I'm praying for you, okay? Okay, you are sewing generously into your vehicle. I know you are. And I just couldn't take it. I'm like, I'm going to have to fix this thing. I got to figure out some things. And I can remember something broke on it, and it was going to be a costly repair. And I happened to watch this YouTube video about one way to fix it was with this substance called JB Weld. 
JB Weld is a mixture. You mix it together, it, it, it comes together, it gets really hard, and it holds together for a minute. <laughs> and it worked well for a little while. But then what happened? It failed. Why? Because I was improvising. I wasn't doing what was really necessary to, to get the job done. I was just doing something to get us through, right? And so this is actually what the word Jesus finds Gideon doing. He's improvising. What's he doing? He is threshing wheat in a wine press. Now that may not mean very much to you, uh, but, but let me explain it. So a wine press is uh, in the valley. So the vineyards grow in the valley. And when they would collect the harvest of grapes, they would bring it there from, the, from in the valley to a wine press. A wine press is walled. And in order for a wine press to operate properly, you needed people with clean feet. And so they would climb over the wall and with their feet begin to press the grapes. Now, it was not only the pressure of the feet, but the walls as well. And the walls kept other things from coming in. And then when they would press it out, and they would press out what was inside so that, so that the whatever you know, good harvest would come from the grapes, whatever wine could be produced, it would be a good thing. However, the way you get a harvest from wheat is totally different than the way you get a harvest from a grape. And let me just, let me, let me explain this. So wine presses in the valley and it's walled. A threshing floor for wheat is always on the top of the hill. And there are no walls. Because in order to thresh wheat properly, whenever it's harvested, there are two things that are harvested at the same time. Wheat and tares. That means things that are useless, things that, that, that are meaningless. They are of no value. So you take that harvest up to the top of the hill where the wind is blowing. And then you throw the wheat and the wheat berries and the chaff in the air on the threshing floor. And the wheat berries are weighty. They are heavy. They fall back down. The wind blowing blows everything that is useless away. Let me, let, me, let me help many of you understand this. The wind is a type of the Holy Spirit. And that in order to get what we need out of our lives that is unnecessary, we need to ascend the hill of the Lord. We go up to the threshing floor and we allow God to lift us into the wind of the Spirit. The wind of the Spirit drives out those things which are unnecessary and what remains is fruit, fruit for his kingdom. That is good. The issue is for Gideon is he was pursuing a wheat harvest in a wine press where there was no wind. He's threshing and threshing and threshing. And let me, let, me, let me put it to you in a way that perhaps you could identify with. Sin 
and improvising when it comes to this life and just doing whatever comes to your mind will leave you bankrupt spiritually and physically. And that's what Gideon's doing. He's trying. He's trying to just get a little bit of wheat because he's so oppressed and he's so pushed down. And the whole nation, uh, you know, is, it, it feels like, man, we're under the judgment and I'm just, I'm worn out. But, and that is how sin leaves us. Sin leaves us bankrupt. We're, we're physically spent. We're spiritually spent. We're, we're, not, we're not working things. It seems like we, we think, I, I, I think I, I could get a harvest here, but if I was to take this up on the hill, the Midianites would come and they would steal what I need to survive. So what are we doing? We're improvising. We're improvising. And I love this. And in the middle of that place where things are just all out of order, God sends his word. He sends his word. His word shows up when Gideon is in that condition. And I've got good news for you today. If spiritually you're still in your dirty pajamas, the word is showing up to you today. If you feel like, you know, that, that, that part of you that's, that's kind of said, you know what, when I get everything all together, then I'm really going to live for God. Forget it. That, that idea doesn't work. You know what that's going to leave you? Spiritually and physically bankrupt. Because the word always comes and finds you right where you are. And notice how God sends his word now, Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the, the, to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, who being in the, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, listen to this, and upholding all things by the word, by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Listen, this is God saying, listen, my, I am speaking to you today through my son. I want to speak to you through my word. There is fresh revelation of Jesus that is for you today, and it will find you in whatever condition you are. This is the goodness of God. Notice God was not uptight. He was sitting under the Tebrinth tree. He just came and sat down. I love that God is the God of peace. Matter of fact, the first time that you ever hear that God is called the God of peace is by Gideon in this chapter a little bit later on when he has a supernatural encounter with God. He says, truly are, you are Jehovah Shalom. It's the first time ever. You are Yahweh Shalom. You are the God of peace. That means you are the God who perfectly orchestrates everything and every piece of the puzzle is not fractured or broken, but it is in place in you. Amen. You are Jehovah Shalom. And here, here the word finds us in, in our real condition, many of us today oppressed, many people in sin, but don't think to yourself, I've got to get this dealt with. I've got to get this dealt with. Just understand the goodness of God has come to you in his word. 
I love that the CDC didn't ask anybody about their sin condition. It just said, do this and you'll be healthy. Can, it, can, I, can I just tell you that this word comes to you in whatever condition you find yourself in today? And it is a word for you. And there is fresh revelation. I love, I love this. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, those who recognize their need of God, those who recognize that they're oppressed, those who recognize that they're impoverished, those who recognize that they're improvising, those are the people who God says, I'm going to open the kingdom to you if you'll simply receive the word that I'm sending to you. That is what the Lord is saying. And there is a fresh revelation of Jesus as for those who would dare to turn to God through his word. Now, secondly, you need to know this about the word. So God's teaching us about the word through Gideon's story. The word will confront your contemplation. It will confront your contemplation. Uh, any thinkers here today? Oh, come on, you know. You know you're a thinker. I'm a thinker. You know, here's how you know you're a thinker. Um, you go to bed at the proper time. You felt tired on your way to the bedroom. You get in, you lay down, the sheets are perfect, everything's in order, your head hits the pillow, and all of a sudden you hear the clanking of the roller coaster that begins to climb. Click, 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 and things begin to turn in your mind and turn in your head, and you're going, listen, brain, shut off. This is right. I need to go to sleep. This is my time. Brain, stop. Brain, slow down. Brain, shut down, please. You know, and, um, you know, and, and for those of us who are thinkers, you, you lay there and you're trying to do something. Uh, you're like, okay, uh, all right, I'll work on that. I'll take that note. And then all of a sudden you've laid there 45 minutes and you're wide awake and you're going, like, oh, I just want to shut my brain off. I want to tell you that Gideon was a thinker. He had been contemplating his condition probably as he is grumbling under his breath, trying to thresh wheat in a wine press, as he is improvising. Because the, I love what the angel of the Lord says. The angel of the Lord shows up and he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, let's pull this scene off the page and let's make this your backyard. An angel shows up sitting under your magnolia tree, uninvited. And then he looks at you and proclaims, the Lord is with you. Now, I know what I would do. I would fall to my face. I would tremble. I would cry. Gideon does none of that. But everything he's been thinking about comes out of his mouth. By the way, if there are any contemplators, we know what you're really thinking. Because it's coming out of your mouth. Because the scripture says, out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. So we know what you're thinking. We know what you're thinking. And here, Gideon doesn't even respond. He's like, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of... He says... 
if the Lord was with it, all of a sudden, everything that he is so frustrated about comes out of his spirit. If the Lord was with us, why then has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us to the hands of the Midianites. Listen. Hear me. The word of God said, the Lord is with you. The word of God said, the Lord is with you. And Gideon says, God forsakes his children. Because that's what he was thinking. God has forsaken his children. Why? Because I don't see none of that stuff they've been talking about. I don't see any of it. So, I think God abandons his children. Do you know who he was talking to? I'm like, whoa. Now, have any of you ever been reading the word and it says something that completely flies in the face of your experience? And the Lord makes a declaration in his word about you and you kind of think, well, uh, mm, let me, uh, I, God, I'll speak for you on this. Uh, this passage must only be for the good times when there are there's no coronavirus. So whenever there's no corona, this will be true for me. But right now, oh no, you've forsaken us. A.W. Tozer said something very powerful that actually addresses the very thing that is going on here. It says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always uh, God himself. And the most pretentious fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he, deep in his heart, conceives God to be like. We tend, by a secret law of the soul, to move toward our mental image of God. So what did Gideon think about God? God abandons us. He's not a good father. What did the word of God say? The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Here's what you need to know is that, is that when, the, when the word comes to confront our contemplation, it confronts us in two places, what we think about God and what we think about ourselves. What we think about God and what we think about ourselves. And he begins to confront this whole idea of him having terrible thoughts about God. Now, the preacher in me loves the next verse. I mean, I just love it because I see not only what the word says, but I see what it doesn't say. And I love this. I absolutely love this thought. Judges 6.14 says, then the Lord turned to him and said, hang on a minute. He was just under the Tebrinth tree. He comes toward Gideon. 
And he says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Other translations say it this way, you mighty hero. And then he starts to go off about the character of God. And you know what God did? He turned around. The angel of the Lord turned around. By the way, God's not leaving you because you have low thoughts. He's just not going to entertain your low thoughts about him. Amen. He's not going to be moved by your low thoughts. You know what he's going to do? He's going to turn. And then he's going to turn back and say, Whew, you sure are spicy, Gideon. Go in the strength you have. What's he saying? You are a man, and you would dare to talk to God. You are way stronger than you know. You call me. You, I said I'm with you. You said I'm not with you. You're spicy. You can do it. God turns and looks right at him. This word in Hebrew, it means turns and looks. So he turns and looks at him, and notice what he says. Go in this might of yours. And you can save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Listen, this was not in the mind of Gideon. This is not what he was thinking. Not at all. But he needed to know what God was thinking. Isaiah 55 says, says it this way. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He says, are not my ways are not my thoughts, not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways. For as high as the heavens are over there, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's saying, listen, I know you weren't thinking this way, but listen, go in the strength you have. You say, I don't have strength, but yet God is saying, listen, I see a strength in you. He turns to him, having not listened to his opinions about who he thinks God is. He's saying, Gideon, I'm going to reveal myself to you in you. Remember, this word confronts our thoughts about God and our thoughts about ourselves. And God doesn't even address his wrong thinking about him. But then Gideon goes into, oh no, God's got my number. God's really planning on trying to use me. And so what does he do? He says, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. Wait, uh, how can I say my clan, weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house? Here's, here's, here, here's what he said. My family doesn't lead anything. And I follow the people that don't lead anything. So we don't lead. You know what God says? Am I not sending you? I'm with you. I'm with you. The Apostle Paul had a similar revelation about his weakness. Gideon knew he was weak. The Apostle Paul also had a revelation of weakness in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's in verse 9. God speaks to the Apostle Paul whenever he is dealing with his thorn in his flesh and he feels so oppressed and he feels so you know, unable to, to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And this is what God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. And my strength is made perfect in weakness. Listen, I don't know how you feel about yourself today. 
I mean, you may feel too weak to do anything significant for God. You may find that the word comes into your life and it finds you in a place where you feel weak. You're like, nobody in my family has ever done anything great for God. I just feel like I'm following in the footsteps of failure. But God is saying, listen, I'm coming to you. I'm going to find you in your condition and I am going to confront what you've been contemplating. Contemplating about God and contemplating about yourself. Listen, church, you need to start to believe what God says about you. You need to start to accept what God says about you. Here's what he says. He says, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm royalty. I'm a priesthood. I'm set apart. Listen, you can call yourself sinner all you want, but the scripture also calls you saint. I dare some of you to get up and say what God said to Gideon. You mighty hero, Maybe some of you today at lunch could tell your waiter or waitress, hey, by the way, I'm a mighty hero. <laughs> they may think you're totally weird and off, but it'd be a great conversation starter. You never know where that's going to go. <laughs> you, you, we need to come into agreement with what God has said about us. Why, why do we only embrace what we think about ourselves? rather than what God has said over us. This is where life change really begins, is when the word finds us in our condition and it confronts our contemplation. But then, this is so good, then the word, when it comes to us, it compels us to completion. It compels us to completion. And it says, and the Lord said to him, surely I'll be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Here's what he's saying. He goes, you're going to defeat this mighty army as if you were fighting one man that you yourself could take down. That's what he said. God's presence initiates the work in our life. God's presence deepens the work in our life and God's presence completes the work in our life. This is why Philippians 1, 6 says this, being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He looks at Gideon and he says, I will be with you and you will be victorious. I don't know about anybody else in here, but I want to finish well. I want to finish well. I don't know how many more years I have here, but here's what I want to see. I want to see many thousands of people in Citrus County come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want to see people baptized in God's presence, living out their callings in every sphere of influence. I want to see people making a shrek to a place, but they're making the trek to Citrus County. Why? Not to pet manatees and swim around in three sisters, but to come find out what God is doing in a place where there is more trees than people. I want to see God do something amazing on our campuses. I want to allow the word of God to compel me into his calling for my life. Even when I say the army's too big, the task is way bigger than my education, way bigger than my training. I need to let the word of God define me and compel me to complete the work that he has for me. And that is what the word will do. And there's one key. This is the key to everything. I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. I want to look up a good scripture for you. 
You should write this down. It's not in your notes. Keeps coming up in my heart, though. Zephaniah chapter 3, I believe it's verse 17. Yes. Zephaniah 3.17 says this. I love this. Why does he call Gideon a mighty warrior? Why does he call him that? This mighty man of valor. Here's why Zephaniah 3.17 tells us. The Lord God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. The reason God calls you mighty hero, mighty conqueror, is because the mighty warrior is with you. We are not great because of ourselves. We are great because of the God in us. And the God in us is the eternal word of God, which will compel us into our callings. You are first called to be with him through salvation, through the work of the cross, through allowing Jesus to regenerate you and to make you what he always intended, a son or a daughter of God with unbroken fellowship with him. And then what do we do? We shine bright declaring that Jesus is alive and that his power is moving and that his spirit will come upon all those who repent and believe in his name. This is our calling. This is what the word will compel us to do. He will carry you into your moment. Don't think that I'm, I, I, I'm just made to just fit in, to just roll with the tide of culture. No, God is saying, listen, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, and you will defeat the enemies as if they were one man you could take out by yourself. Why? Because the mighty warrior is with you. That's our God. And I love this. Because God comes with his word to change the way we think. Changes the way that we respond. How it thrusts us into new places. Revelation 3 says it this way. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. It says, therefore, be zealous and repent. That means what? Change your thinking. Metanoia is what repentance is. It means to change the way you think to the way God thinks. It means to turn from the way that was leading to death, to turn to the one who will lead you in the path of life. And then, then what is it? I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open that door, I will come in. Listen, church, every day, his word is knocking on the door of your life. Knocking, saying, I'll come in. I'll be with you. I'll compel you. I will carry you. I will sustain you. I will give you wisdom and life. And I will be your joy and your strength to overcome any enemy.